0: Just had a number. Here we go. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so
1: glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along.
0: Come inside Welcome to the show everybody, Seth and Sean Sports Radio, Blog Talk Sports, well actually it's Blog Talk Radio and it's BackSportsPage.com and uh, Jake you're uh, making an appearance as usual, uh, Seth and Sean here and you there and lots going on this week, some on the field, some off the field, let's start with the first thing obviously
1: is, hi Jake. Jake is missed being on the show for the last month. Uh, the good news for everybody is that we're back at seven o'clock, which is our typical time. Um, the bad news is we're going to have our. I have to watch Little Man while well, instead of having it at nine thirty or ten o'clock, I have to watch Little Man. So he's going to be making his typical, uh, slightly noisy, <laughs> addition to the show whenever whenever needed.
0: So whenever it suits him actually. It's not even whenever it's needed. It's whenever it suits Jake. Jake is Jake is the preeminent part of the show. We miss Jake for the first three years of the show, and now he is a standing member of the show. So welcome,
1: Jake. <laughs> Can you say hi? Hi, uh, yeah, he said hi. Okay, hey, we got
0: so, a hi. So So lots going on, like I said, on and off the field. I wanted to touch on something that's only come to my attention in the last couple of days, and it should have come to my attention a long time ago, like in the last, like, I don't know, month or year or something to that extent. What is going on in Michigan right now? And we don't talk a lot about the Olympics until the Olympics come. We don't talk a lot about Olympic sports Unless there is something drastic going on. But there is something drastic going on in women's gymnastics.
1: And Seth, I'm sure you
0: know what, of what I am speaking.
1: Yeah. Um, wow. My son took care of the computer and he somehow turned the screen sideways. I don't even know how that's possible. Awesome. Um, yeah. Control. Well, you're talking about. Control. Alt. Mm-hmm.
0: Up. Control. Alt. Up arrow. There you
1: go. Well done, Mr. Palmer. Good to see, your, good to see your admin skills are still in play. Um, yeah. I mean, you have to really start with U.S. Gymnastics and Larry Nassar, uh, the SOB who's apparently been accused of of uh, abusing more than 140 girls, some as young as six, um, who will be spending most likely the rest of his probably very brief life in prison um, He's been convicted, I believe, on six out of seven charges. And the whole discussion with you know with US gymnastics was was the board you know privy to it? Did they know about it? Because this guy, in the reason he comes into Michigan, of course, since he was the doctor, I believe, at Michigan State. I think that's where I think that was how it played in. Um and it's this enormous controversy that literally every Olymp, female Olympian Olympics gymnast we've heard of, Jordan Weaver, you know, uh, Simone Biles, Allie Reisman, all of them have have been accusatory. And of both of him and for the board, really acquiescing to this, or at least kind of turning the other direction, if nothing else. So, you know, just a truly disgusting situation that's going on. And something, you know, just utterly depressing and really nothing kind of, it probably has deserved a lot more pressed and it's gotten. Um, I mean, just with everything that's been going on in the world, it's kind of taken a little bit of a backseat, which it shouldn't have, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: When when you have a government such as ours that is degrading women, that is degrading uh, minorities, that is degrading um, foreigners that come in, immigrants that come into the country, and you have what the the women's marches of the past weekend that took place in multiple cities, and then in Detroit you have, as Seth said, over a hundred and forty. First of all, Nassar has already been convicted on child pornography charges. He's going away for the rest of his natural life, at least sixty years. This is the state charges, which is unbelievable. This and I don't. I tend. Not to use that term. I don't like the term. Because there's plenty that's believable in sports. There's plenty of that you know might happen in sports. Look, last week's Casey Keenum throw, we've seen it before. We've absolutely seen it before. We've seen game-winning touchdowns on the last play of the game. We've seen it. We haven't seen the playoffs, but we've seen it. That's not unbelievable. This, what this man got away with for over 30 years, is repulsive, and in listening to the 140-some-odd women, or 120, I think, have actually given impact statements, that is unbelievable. It is unbelievable that Michigan State turned a blind eye. It's unbelievable that USA Gymnastics and Marta and Bella Caroli, who, if you're familiar with Nadia Komanish, when she came over in 1972, the first perfect 10, was housed at the Corrolling Ranch. I urge you all to listen at least to one impact statement. Because it it I've listened to five days of this. I've gone on YouTube and listened to five days of this. And what these women and they're women, but there's no one more than thirty one years old. And you have a kid yesterday, and I call her a kid because she was 15 speaking and basically taking back what Larry Nassar took from them. It is the display that they have shown is incredible. And what they have been able to do. And you, when you're in the legal game, like myself, you see a lot of people that are afraid to come forth. You see a lot of people that are afraid to testify or to give notice or to come and, and address their accuser. A hundred and forty women have come together to address the accuser. And you're right, Seth. It's gotten too little attention. but And it deserves... In in a year of the Olympics, granted it's the Winter Olympics, this deserves a whole lot more attention to what they have done.
1: Well, I mean, you, I mean, just thinking back over the years, think about how how much publicity. Again, it was a different time of the year. It was it was, and you didn't have to deal with everything. Whether you agree with Trump or not, you didn't have to deal with the daily onslaught of Trumpian trumpism or whatever you want to call them. But think back to the Jerry Sandusky. We were hosting our show. We were about a year or two into it when Sandusky came out. Yeah. And this was about a couple, you know, these were football players. And this was, and I think that's part of the reason why, because Jim, as you said, is an every four years we pay attention kind of sport as opposed to college football, which is a, you know, 12 month a year sport. But, I mean, think about what Sandusky did. But in comparison, this is a hundred. That was what a few people. I'm not. I'm certainly not saying it was okay ladies any stretch. This is hundred, over a hundred people. If this was football yeah. or basketball, I mean, this publicity would have been would have been tenfold. Well,
0: yeah. the other thing so, is I mean, that this guy Larry Nasser, was doing it basically in front of other people. He was flaunting it. There were parents in the room when he was doing it, unbeknownst to the parents. Obviously, I mean that's another sickness. But unbeknownst to the parents, and the pa- and these children reported it. This is not something that. Look, you have the Mike McQuarrie situation, where it might have been reported once, and the, or or even twice, and then you have. Then you have the Joe Paterno, where it supposedly was reported once or twice. I would say, I mean, in listening to to this testimony, at least half these girls reported it to their parents or reported it to a coach or reported it to a doctor or Michigan State or USA Gymnastics. That's 75 instances of underage women who are as little as 14 years old you feel for the kids, first and foremost, and some of them are grown up now, 35, 36, but you feel for the parents, too, because the parents are the ones that have to live with the guilt at this point of not believing their daughters. And you feel for everybody involved, except for Larry Nasser, except for Michigan State, and I cannot The 14-year-old yesterday, and I can't remember her name. I'll have to get that for you by the end of the show. She said, I'm 14 years old. I shouldn't be in a courtroom. I shouldn't, and I'm paraphrasing here. I shouldn't have to know what a courtroom looks like. But you know what? I know what a courtroom looks like now, and I'm going to be here for a long time. So Michigan State, I'm coming for you. That's powerful stuff,
1: and that's why the response. And I don't think there's been one from Mark Dantonio, the football coach, but the the response from from uh, Tom Izzo, who I am a huge fan of, it has been really it was really disappointing. Where you know, it's one of those if found you know if this stuff is true, how many times do seventy people testify to the same thing? It's false. What about? There is nothing about this. This isn't a, you know, it isn't a proven guilty question. When you have seventy people who are testifying that this is true, something is true. Most likely, it's true. And even if, yeah. it, it, to me, that his written com- commentary was just really, really, I expected more. And I realize you're going to back the school that you love and the people that you've been called. But at a certain point, there's no there's no going back. And his response, I was just – I expected more. If you'd like
0: to talk about this, 760 283 760 We're going to move on to football in a little bit, but this was – very much on my mind this morning it's been very much on my mind for a couple of weeks now and I felt that it, the, the sentencing is coming to a close the impact statements a lot of kudos to the judge who allowed all of these a lot of, a lot of kudos to the prosecutor so I, I'm not sure if you're aware of the legal uh, I don't know the legal play in this but Larry Nassar uh, pled guilty, Seth, to, to, the, yes. to the crimes. Okay. And the prosecutor demanded as part of the guilty plea that he had to sit there and listen, and
1: listen to, to, all anybody, yeah.
0: to anybody that wanted to come forward. Not, not, not 20 people, not 30 people. If you wanted to come forward and, and you were impacted, whether you were an Olympian whether you're a high school student, which some of these kids were, some of these kids weren't even on the Olympic team and were treated by NASA at Michigan state for whatever reason, or they were high school kids that were brought to his private practice. Same deal. Just because you're an Olympian doesn't mean you're any more special in the eyes of the court for this purpose than anybody else. And the prosecutor made, I was going to use a, a, a nice expletive here, made sure that anybody who wanted to speak was allowed to speak, whether anonymous, whether in person, whether by letter, whether by phone, they are allowed to speak and confront Larry Nasser. And to that, I give tremendous kudos to, and Larry Nasser actually a couple of days ago, I think it was late last week, tried to produce a letter that said to the judge, a six-page letter that said, paraphrasing again, it's hurting my mental health to have to listen to all these people. Yeah. Yep. I, I just... And the and, judge and, pretty much laughed the judge, it out of court. Well, the judge said, yeah, F oh. you, dude. I mean, you think you're hurting? What do you think you did to all these women? So, like I said, if you want to talk about this, 760-283-0846, uh, we, we don't get into legal battles very often, like Seth said. We did... We were actually on the air the day that the free, uh, the free report came out. I think we were actually on the air yep. the same day that the Mitchell report came out. I, I did a lot of reading in, in a couple of days uh, when those reports came out. And these are the things that are important. We, we don't talk about the drunk drivings. We don't talk about Robbie Anderson being pulled over for going 105 miles an hour, because in my opinion, that Lends credence to what they're doing That for the same reason that you don't show Somebody who's streaking on TV because you're giving Credence to what they do and you're Giving attention to what they do here This is positive attention This is what the girls Have done not what NASA has Done to me and So I'm happily To give it and it's unfortunate That the uh, SI Sportsman of the year isn't A couple of months later because these girls should have had it every day and
1: Sunday. Oh, and that'll be 2018. Um, but yeah, it might yeah, be. I the argument, and very quite eloquently put. Um, Thanks. So
0: let's move and, on. <laughs> we have we have we have all star games. We have the NHL All Star Game coming up this weekend. We have the NBA All Star Game coming up next weekend. I think it's next weekend, maybe the weekend after. We have a Super Bowl in two weekends. We had one very, very good game. I won't call it an extraordinary game, but one very, very good NFL game. And then we had one very disappointing NFL game in the second one. And let's go, let's talk about Nick Foles for a little bit. Uh, We're not going to make our our Super Bowl prediction. We'll do that next week. And we won't talk very much about it this week. We do have a whole nother week next week to do this. But Nick Foles looked like the guy that went that had twenty-two touchdowns and three interceptions to the Eagles a couple of years back on Sunday.
1: <clears throat> and unfortunately for Viking fans, uh, the vaunted Minnesota D looked like looked like the uh, University of Minnesota defense, not number one ranked defense in the NFL. They looked terrible. They're just they didn't. I don't know if they were just hung over from the win over New Orleans because they were up seven nothing. And then that great interception turned by Patrick Robinson, when Chris Long hit Case Keenum's arm, and the game was over. And that was it. Yeah. It wasn't really much to say. It was a complete and utter, complete and utter ass whipping. There's no other really word to use. It, it was a, I shut the game off um, to midway through the third quarter because to watch Philly win anything is always a bit painful, and. <clears throat> yeah you know, which we'll will lead to a discussion probably either later this week or early next week, or later in the show, or because I've been catching, as you've probably seen on Facebook, I have quite a little bit of grief from my friends on who I'm pulling for in this game. Um, but credit to I family. have with
0: I have withheld I have withheld comment.
1: Yeah, but that's not like you, and I don't expect you to do it for much longer. Um, <laughs> I wish it, I wish it was a better game. On the other hand, I was stuck. I was supposed to meet you in the Batte Isles to watch the game, and due to an illness of my wife and someone having to watch our one-year-old, uh, I had to sit home. But, you know, I would have been much more bummed if I missed a game as good as Jacksonville, New England. This game was just a bust to begin with. Agreed. But there were two real
0: big plays here. The, the sack fumble that happened on, I think, the third drive of the game. And certainly, Chris Long's hit with Patrick Robinson, who is a free agent after this year. Seems like every time that a cornerback makes a big play, they're a free agent soon thereafter. Jeremy Lane uh, with Larry
1: Brown, Larry Brown, Dexter Jackson,
0: Larry Brown, Larry, and Larry Brown with the Raiders. Yep. So, um, yeah, Patrick Thomas. uh, Sorry, Patrick Robinson on a one-year deal. Guy from Florida State runs it back, and you're right. That was that was basically the end of the game. But Nick Foles did look. Nick Foles is a is a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback by any means, but he was a great quarterback on on Sunday. And Ashlon Jeffrey, for some reason, um, Minnesota decided not to put their best cornerback on him, and he ran all over Terrence Newman, who I think after this game should
1: probably retire. Well, I think we said that a couple of years ago when in the playoffs, he got burned when he was with the Cowboys. Um, yeah, that can for as good a defensive mind as Mike Zimmer is, I wonder if he was just trying to be too cute. I mean, when you look at Philly, they have, you know, and our son Jeffrey is the is the big play threat. It, Aguilar is the third down back. Now Xavier Rhodes, I think, was a little bit hurt, um, but they just they wrecked that Minnesota defense, wrecked them. And you know the, the weakness of Minnesota's Minnesota looked, you know, Mc, it was like they were getting the ball to McKinnon much more than I would have anticipated. It's just the team seemed out of sorts from the outset. And for you know for Philly fans, this is. I don't want to say vindication, because that's not the right word, but this gives them a chance to redeem a pretty bitter loss uh, 13 years ago.
0: Well, you know, all the Philly fans that I know thought that they were going to the Super Bowl before Carson Wentz tore his ACL, and Nick Foles has had his ups and downs over the last four weeks, or the last four games, excuse me, the last four games, but (sighs) If he plays anything like he did on Sunday, look, I'm, I'm not saying I'm jumping on the Nick Falls bandwagon. I think I've been there uh, since the very beginning I when when Wentz went out. I think we picked him up, you and I, in our fantasy league. I think I, I was steadily convinced that he was going to have a good run, and he's had an up-and-down run, but I think that New England is going to sell out for, for the run and hope and hope that Nick Foles can beat him or actually have Nick Foles try and beat him. But we'll talk about that in a second. So let's go on to the, to the bigger and the better game, which absolutely brought, uh, I don't even know how to describe my emotions. I actually left the apartment at halftime to go get some food and some beer for my esteemed colleague, by the way, beer is now (laughs) in the fridge. If you ever want to stop by, uh, there are three Brooklyn Loggers in the fridge for you. So Appreciate. the beer is in the fridge. Yeah, you're welcome. So I left at halftime, and I was like, all right, Jacksonville's got this. They got this, this. They got this. And I passed by Blondie's, which is on 79th Street, on my way back. And one of the women is standing outside, and you can hear her talking to her mother, saying, yeah, the Patriots are losing, so I'm just going to come up early. And I was like, ooh. That's excellent. Like, if she's leaving and she's decked out in Patriots gear, they must be down like 20 points. Like, I'm, I'm great here. And I walk back to my apartment, I turn on the TV, and they're only down 10. And I text my brother, and I said, I hope you're watching this game, because Brady's going to pull this one out. And he texts me back, he goes, there's no way Jacksonville has played so well, and I go, I've seen this show before.
1: Before. Yep.
0: We've all seen this show before, and 10 points was not going to be enough. And it proved it. But if I had to ask you this question right now, is Blake Bortles going to be Jacksonville's quarterback next year?
1: I think you kind of have to say yes. I mean, they re-signed him. They, they extended the five the option year, and he was well, very, they very good. The,
0: no. Well, the option I year, thought, Seth, is just for injury, so they can cut him with no, with no money.
1: I have to imagine. I have to imagine after the performance he put on. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in a, a more veteran quarterback to challenge, or to see, okay. or, to, or to teach. Because I mean, think about it: who is Jacksonville's? Who is Jacksonville had back? Who they have had? Who have they had backing up? Portals. Chad, Chad. Henney. Well, so Chad Henney was Miami. Or is that Matt Moore? Nope. Am I getting Matt
0: confused? Moore? Matt Moore is in Miami.
1: Okay. Well, Henney's been around a while. I mean, the reality is, is very considering how good he was. In the last two playoff games, it will be difficult. And also, considering they have no wideout threats, which they really don't, it's like this team is like watching the 1990 Giants. You run the ball with yes. a beast of a running back. You have a quarterback who's not going to make mis- who, is, who is not making mistakes, and you're, you base it on your defense. It's a Doug Marone, it's a Tom Coughlin offense, it's a Tom Coughlin team. Hence, the Giants, the Giants 1990 team. Um, but at no point at 2017, I didn't like the play calling. I thought they went way too conservative considering how well he had done um, early on and midway through the game. And it wasn't – and at, 20, at 2017, you knew. Everybody knew. At 2017?
0: Dude, basketball. I knew at
1: 2010. I knew at 2010 we this all, game was over. Yeah, we all think, we figured it out. I'm not disputing, and I thought it was too. But, at tw- but when they got the ball back, with six? I think it was six forty-two to go at twenty seventeen. You just—it was kind of like when you watched Montana get the ball back against the Bengals, and was it Super Bowl nineteen, Super Bowl twenty? Yep. Yeah, you just knew. It wasn't twenty. It was been like twenty-two or twenty-three. Um, you, you knew Jackson would have one chance. Yep, would have one chance. You didn't know where it would be. Just as since he had one chance and I forget who Louis, breed I forget who the, I forget who the, the, the safety was who dropped the ball in the end zone, but you knew once that happened that they were going to complete the pass to someone. You just weren't sure if it was going to be Brent Jones, Jerry Rice, John Taylor. Of course it ended up being Taylor. And that was how I felt. There was, I think one third and 10. And at that no, point it
0: second it, it was, was it was third and eighteen. Remember? It was third and eighteen. That's
1: right. Third and eighteen and and Brady, and Brady and Amendola.
0: Yeah, to Amendola.
1: And that was it. At that point there was no doubt. And you know, I don't I mean, they're complaining about the penalties and this and that. The reality is you had a ten point lead in the fourth quarter of the AFC championship game. Yep. I don't think some of these calls were great. But you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And you can't complain with it about it when it's done. So, And,
0: and once, again, once again, let's take stock in what the Patriots do. Look, I'm a Jets fan. Uh, we, we are all aware of how much I despise, despise the Patriots. But every single team that complains that they have an injury, every single team that says we can't win because X guy went out, or Y guy went out, or Z guy went out. Just look at this team. Every year they do it. So let's see who was out for this game. Your top tight end, who is the top tight end in the NFL. Your top wide receiver has missed the entire year in Julian Edelman. Your top defensive player, Dante Hightower, is on IR. You lost half of your defensive line to free agency or otherwise. And then you lost the other half of the defensive line to injury. You're starting James Harrison at right end or right outside linebacker, whatever the the heck it's called, putting your hand down and going to knock some people over. That's James Harrison's job. And he was right there in the middle of everything. It's amazing how the the Patriots seem to plug and play, whoever they need to play, and that is a huge testament to Bill Belichick, who again I despise, absolutely despise. He left he left my team at the altar after one day. <laughs> so, in. Uh, Again, if you'd like to talk about this, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. They are are the top echelon. They are now in their eighth Super Bowl in 18 years. Just think about that. Jets haven't been in the Super Bowl since 1969. There are teams that have never been in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's uncanny, and they're actually coming out, uh, ESPN's coming out for a 30-for-30 30 30, uh, Bill and Bill, Parcells and Belichick, and Parcells makes a, um, an observation, which you would think somebody with Parcells' ego would never do, something to the effect of, he said, you know, if I had stayed in, in New England, I might have had as much success as Bill. Being Bill Belichick, and then he goes, you know what? Maybe not. <laughs> That's pretty yeah, impressive not for likely. a guy that has an ego like, yeah, not likely, not likely at all. And the best part about this is Jimmy Garoppolo makes over a hundred grand, and if they win the <laughs> Super Bowl, he makes one hundred and fifty-five grand for just being on the team at some point. That's awesome. I want to be that guy. I want to be the fifty-third player on a roster that just makes one hundred and fifty-five grand for never playing. That's my role, backup punter. I think I could do it.
1: Sounds like a so I've gotten kind of a bit crushed on my Facebook, and I want your thoughts because surprisingly, as you said, you have oh, kind seen of it. Switzerlandish. Um, because to me. I've said unequivocally I will be I don't think rooting is the right word but because I don't think these are either to root for Boston or Philly is not really high on my priority list of towns ever but under no circumstances I can I root for the Eagles. New England is not a rival to the Giants. Boston is. New England, the Patriots are not and it's not even because they beat two teams. They, they The Giants beat them twice in the Super Bowl. It's they're not division rivals. They play each other every couple of years. I don't root for New England. Um, you know, the only thing I rooted for New England on was to, to kind of confirm my discuss my point that I made years ago that I thought Brady was the greatest of all time. But I think that's that, that's kind of all said and done. But under no circumstances can I root for the Eagles. And I put a lot okay. of grief on that, which surprised me. Okay, so so a couple of things here,
0: all right? I think the first question is: Do you have to root for a team in the in the Super Bowl?
1: I you pull for somebody. You don't. You don't. May not care very much, but you pull. For, yeah, I typically pull for one team over the other. For it may be okay, as for as so the reason is, Okay. Please. I totally
0: remember watching the Super Bowl that occurred at Giants Stadium, which is the Broncos and the Seahawks. I watched it at Brother Jimmy's on the Upper West Side, which is now closed. And I had an opportunity to go to the game for, like, yeah, Brother Jimmy's on the Upper West Side has been closed for a while. I didn't know that. Huh. Okay. Dude, you left, like, five years ago.
1: Uh, Anyway.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so Brother Jimmy's is now closed. If you'd like to go to Brother Jimmy's, there's one on the East Side, but there are none on the West Side. So – I remember okay. watching this with uh Jess- with our good friend Jessica Fink and it was raining and I had an opportunity to go to the game but I was like eh, it's Seahawks Denver, why do I wanna go? And the point no, was
1: Sean, I didn't Sean, have you watched it. You watched it with me, Carly, Jenny, and Marissa.
0: I did? At Brother Jimmy's?
1: At Brother Jimmy's, yes.
0: Okay. Sorry. It wasn't just Fink, it was you guys. Okay, the point is, I didn't root for either team because I didn't care. I didn't have a I didn't have a horse in the race. I, I didn't even pull for either team. I, ju- I just watched the game, and it was a huge blowout, huge. And I just didn't care. So my question is to you, A, do you have to root for a team? See, I, I have a strong inkling against the Patriots. We all know this, right? Do you have a horse in the race? Even if it's an anti, I have a horse in the race. You, if you want to root against the Eagles because you don't want to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl, I can respect that, having done that eight out of the last 18 years, eight out of the last 18 years. (laughs) I've rooted against the team. But are you rooting just because you don't want the Eagles to win a Super Bowl, or are you rooting just because you don't want to see the Eagles win at all?
1: I'm rooting cause, simply put because I don't want to see the Eagles win a Super Bowl. I mean.
0: Okay, that's fair. It's not a
1: pro. Yeah. Look. No, it is you a had, pro.
0: It's a pro yeah. Patriots because you don't want. It's for the same reason exactly. that I would root for any team against the Patriots,
1: regardless right. of who or they are. 20, or 25 years ago against the Dolphins, when you had that same hatred for the Dolphins. Exactly. Because the Jets. yeah, at, you know, at that point, the Jets and Dolphins were big rivals. The Bills have always been more. To that.
0: To, to that end, I chances are I will not be watching a Super Bowl with you because I don't think I could take somebody rooting for the for the Patriots. But I understand. I, I get it. Now, let me ask you this. I, I, I asked my buddy Jack Holland, who is also a very big Giants fan, and he said the same thing to me. He, he could not root against the Patriots because he, he he does not want the Eagles to win. And again... If you'd like to call in and discuss how Seth should root for this, for this game, 760-283-0846, please do. And I asked him point blank. I said, if you had to, could you root for any of the NFC East? And he said, yes. I was like, oh, okay, so, so who could you root for? He goes, I could root for the Cowboys. I go, that's interesting, because to me, the Cowboys would be the biggest rival. And he goes, no, not even close. So let, he's, he said, it's the Eagles one, it's the Redskins two, and it's the Cowboys three. Do you feel the same way?
1: Actually, I do. And maybe it's because the Cowboys have been so irrelevant for 25 years in regards to playoff, to playoff success that it hasn't really fazed me too much. Um, and the Giants have had pretty good success against Dallas over the years, whether it was in 2012 when they beat the Rome, when they, when they were 20, 20, I guess, 2007, when they beat, when they were the one seed and the Giants went to Dallas and beat them. Um, Dallas is a big name. But it's really not done very much. And it's since 19, really since 1994. Uh, they've won, I think, two playoff games. Yep. So, you know, remember I lived in Washington for ten years. I went to college with a lot it. of Redskins fans. And when I used to, I remember going to a sports bar in Bethesda, Maryland, and watching the Redskins play the Cardinals. The Redskins were down twenty-eight to three, and kicked the field goal on fourth and one from the six to go down twenty-eight to six. And the bar exploded to hail to the Redskins. I thought my sports IQ would drop by eighty points. It was painful. And I cannot root for the Redskins. Never can, never will, under no chance. And I despise the Eagles. Always have. Because the Eagles have consistently okay. been the thorn in the, the Giants' side more than anyone else. And I also just think their fans are okay. obnoxious. Um,
0: well, I think it's also, I think it also has something to do, and I explained this to Jack. I think it's the fact that you being a New Jersey person, and I say this with the nicest of thoughts, you being from New Jersey, Thank God I'm not in New Jersey. Anyway, you for coming You're from, from New Long Jersey. Island. Ha- yeah, but half of your state is Eagles yes. fans. So yes. I think there's something to be said there, right? I mean, they they basically took your half of your state. Like, I don't have that animosity towards the Giants. I certainly don't have it towards any other team because my I don't have it towards the Bills because, to me, the demarcation is, The same way Billy Joel said it. Anything north of Westchester is upstate New York. And I get it. (laughs) But I can root for the... Let me put it this way. The Bills made a playoffs, which they did this year. I rooted for the Bills. Absolutely rooted for the Bills. They're not my guys. And you know what? I rooted for the Bills against the... I rooted for the Bills against the Cowboys. I rooted for the Bills against the Niners. I rooted for the Bills every single time. They were all four Super Bowls. I betted against them. <laughs> I definitely bet against them, but I rooted for them because that would be okay. But to your point, I could never do the same for the Patriots, ever. Not in a million years. Nope. So I agree with you. And I'd like to lock you in a room if I'm watching this with your wife and your kid. <laughs> or Fair just enough. bring over a bottle of tequila and we could both drink it. <laughs> and then we won't care
1: who <laughs> wins the game. <laughs> uh, we, we won't Again, at the end of the day, it's not going to have a huge impact one way or the other. But uh, anyway. Yeah. I was, I was we'll, hoping – on the bright side, at least, whoever's hosting who's who's doing the game? Is it CBS? or is it I think it's Fox?
0: Uh, it's Fox. It's Fox.
1: So the, Fox, who's had a tough enough break with the World Cup you know without the United States, think how thrilled they would be to have a Jacksonville, Minneapolis, Minnesota Super Bowl.: Not exactly the major metropolis. Yes, as would I. but it's not exactly, not exactly a viewer's paradise. Here you have two top 10 metro, uh, metropolitan areas, even if they are the Northeast, it's, it's, it's a, it's a much bigger draw. So hopefully the game will live up to the game will live up to it. Although I don't really anticipate that it will, but you know, who the heck knows? What do I know? Um, so kind of moving forward. So you wanted to talk a little bit about, I guess, you on the NBA on the NBA and the NBA all-star games. <sighs> Well, I think before you even get to talk about that, you have to talk a little bit about the Cavs, who have completely—it seems like have just completely fallen apart. Um, Whether it's it's going after Kevin Love, you know, after after they're letting up 150 points to Oklahoma City, I mean, that whole team just looks out of sync, and somewhere Dave Blatt is laughing, you know, because he was forced out under, you know dubious circumstances, I guess, to say the least. And you know, and now Tyrone Liu seems to be really at a loss of what to do. Well,
0: but that's after Tyrone Liu won an NBA championship.
1: Yeah, so, but that had nothing to do with Tyrone Liu. That that was that was LeBron pretty much at, at the that was LeBron. Call it what it was.
0: Okay. So right now, the team has undergone a huge facelift. True. I mean, Isaiah Thomas taking over mm-hmm. from Kyrie Irving, it, 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 it's a facelift. I mean, anything, you can't say it any differently than that. So the fact is, at this point, do you, this team really does need to give itself time to gel. I do understand that there are there are repercussions in the fact that you have to, look, this team is supposed to be one of the top teams in the NBA, but you're also talking about a team that basically took its point guard and threw it somewhere else, tried to replace it with a broken down Derrick Rose, and now who is supposed to be their number two option is coming back into the fold as the point guard, but he's not Kyrie Irving. He's five foot eight, and that's not to make fun of short people because I'm five foot eight and a half. the The point is, he can't defend bigger point guards like Kyrie Irving. Even though Kyrie Irving is basically a human turnstile, when he was in Cleveland, he still was able to play defense at least on a height level. And he, now you have to adjust and basically cover for both Kevin Love and for, and for uh, Isaiah Thomas. It's going to take some adjustment, but 150 points, I get it. But that's just a lot of defense. I mean, the defense just isn't there. And, and with their salary cap problems, I'm not really sure they can do anything about it. One, there have been a couple of names thrown out there, and the best one I could figure out would be George Hill. Uh, George Hill in Sacramento has been passed over by uh, DeAndre Fox. And he would be a perfect point guard type guy to play there. Okay, so, let, so let's play it that way. George Hill comes in. He starts at the one. You put Isaiah at the two. Isaiah Thomas? Well, then you got a problem yeah. defensively. All right, so Isaiah Thomas comes off the bench. Fantastic. Isaiah Thomas is coming off the bench, and he's going to play with the other guy that can't play defense and the third guy that can't play defense. So the second unit is going to be led by Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade, and Kyle Korver. That's a problem.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the problem is, as we said, this team is stuck in really a no-win situation. It's hard to mortgage your future. When the only chance you have to really get anything of talent is to to trade the next pick, which is going to probably, which is going to be around number nine or number 10 most likely. But you're not going to trade that pick if your best player is not coming back and no one is under the impression that LeBron James is coming back. It's been much quieter than last time. You know, it's been handled probably much, much better than last time. But no one thinks he's coming back. So if you're Dan Gilbert, you're in this awkward situation of, you know, why do I, you know, based on LeBron, I signed Tristan Thompson to $80 million. I, you know, I've made some moves I probably wouldn't have made otherwise. But he did it to make, to keep LeBron happy. And LeBron got him a championship and brought him to two other finals. So both sides have done their job. But the reality is, if you're not going to if you're not going to resign these people, if you're not going to re-sign LeBron James, then, then you can't trade the pick. You just can't because you're going to have nothing next year. And, you know, I, do I think at the end of the day, are they going to probably figure out a way to make the finals? Yeah, I do. But I don't think it's going to be very competitive. And I think, you know, this is whatever this is, it, it ends after this year. And you're gonna. It's just in Cleveland is going to be stranded with a lot of, a lot of high priced talent, but if they lose LeBron's salary and they lose Isaiah's salary, plus they're the number ten pick, they're going to have, they will have some, they will have some room under cap, but it's going to be. It's just it's a very bad situation for a team that's still the over, still the favorite to go to the NBA finals.
0: Oh, totally agree. And if you look at the Celtics, it's not like they're doing that much better to begin with either. I mean, they're certainly adjusting. They have had defensive breakdowns. They're learning to play differently without certain players. And they're in an adjustment period as well. And you kind of wonder whether there could be a third team in the in the East that comes up and takes it. The unfortunate part is, there's nobody good in the East. That's it. It's those two guys. That's it. They're
1: done. Well, I mean, you... You look at Boston, Boston loses. Boston's best player can't play defense. Their number two gets hurt the first game of the season, the first quarter of the season. And they're still five games better than they were last year. And their defense, even without Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, who are two borderline all-defensive players, is still better than it was last year. So I'm not as negative on Boston, but at the end of the day, I'll still take LeBron over any of these, anybody now. Toronto has made a nice, has been nice. You know, there's one or two other Indiana has been a bit of a surprise, but at the end of the day, it's still, yeah, it's still Cleveland. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to back into this because there's nobody else. And that's really it. Now, Boston, I disagree. Boston is in wonderful shape. Because you have all of this young talent that either a
0: no no, no I'm talking about a, I'm talking about just I'm talking about just this year
1: I'm not talking about in
0: the future I'm, well, I'm talking I'm, about just this well, year well but
1: even this year if they decide they want to trade Jalen Brown and Tatum in the first round in the number one pick and they the potentially the Lakers pick for Anthony Davis yep they can do that I'm not saying they will or they should they have the capability to trade for a superstar. To make where they have, where then they could overtake Cleveland. I just don't think they're there yet. But I think, at a minimum, I think they're a year away.
0: Well, you're making my point, though. Are there superstars available? Because I don't think there is. Not one. (laughs) Probably not. I don't think Anthony Davis is available. Nor do I think Anthony Davis will be available for a couple of years, if at all. I don't think Boogie Cousins is available. I don't think Boogie Cousins is available. By the way, Anthony Davis in a Boston uniform is every Celtics' dream that they could actually yep. do what Danny Ainge has reportedly tried to do for years, which is finally utilize all that, that um, stock, that, that blue chip stock, and make a trade for a superstar. I just don't think they're there. Paul George isn't going anywhere. You could probably have Carmelo if you wanted him, but he's got a no-trade clause and he's not going anywhere either. Boogie's not. Boogie and Anthony Tom, Anthony uh, Davis aren't going Davis. anywhere. So what superstar are you looking at?
1: Is this rhetorical or or or? Actual? No, I'm asking you what with the trade no, deadline coming well, up on may, February sixth. I don't look. I don't think they. I don't think they're. I don't think they can trade for Davis. Now, the interesting question with Jason Kidd being fired, in my mind, deserves If you know talk
0: about Giannis going anywhere, there's no way.
1: No, no way. No. It, no, no, no. They don't trade Giannis for he purpose. He's, got, he's still got two and a half years left on his contract. But if the coach they bring in doesn't fit and there's a bat, another mediocre year. Now, again, but Boston, doesn't, Boston may not need to because Tatum may become – is a stud. And Brown's a nice player. And you have Kyrie and you have Hayward coming back. And you're going to have a top five draft pick most likely. So, I mean, you're in – you could be in very – look, they're in great position no matter what, whether they can get the quote-unquote superstar or not. Because, as you said, there is nothing in the East outside of Cleveland, and Cleveland is rapidly deteriorating in front of our very eyes.
0: Yeah. So, to, so to be fair, not to correct you, but Giannis has three and a half yeah. years left.
1: This oh he's got three and, half? and oh, I thought it was two and a half oh and God, then you can't even so think about two and a half
0: years. He signed a four right. He signed a four-year contract, and the strange thing was at the time is most NBA superstars like the three-year contract and then the option, the player option, so they can act so they can opt out early. Giannis didn't take a player option. He took a straight four, so they have him for three and a half more years. That extension just started this year. So yeah, I think yeah, you're he's looking going at, nowhere. At least right, he's going nowhere. And let's talk about Jason Kidd flaming out in Milwaukee. Because did I saw this coming because he doesn't get along with many people, does he?
1: No, not really. Um, he and there was troubles with with now he was only brought to Milwaukee, and I remember he was the coach of the Nets. And he was brought to Milwaukee simply because one of his agent became the owner. Right. Um, and then there were, there's been ownership kind of issues back and forth. Cause there's three owners. Now the other two were not particularly fond of him. He's not thought of as a great X's and O's guy, which is fine. That's what you have assistant coaches for. But the reality is the team is stagnated. And I wonder you know, considering the young talent, Middleton, Jabari Parker, Bledsoe, Giannis, you know, Tom Maker, I kind of wonder if we're looking at something similar to a Mark Jackson with Golden State, who had a little bit more success, but at the end of the day, you know, and they had 48, 49 wins, they thought the team stagnated and brought in Steve Kerr. Now that could have gone in one of two directions. That could have gone completely haywire. And Stephen, Stephen Curry may not be on the Golden State anymore, um, yeah. or it could have gone the way it did, where they are going to be to go down as possibly the greatest dynasty of the greatest dynasties of all time. So, you know, you don't know, and it depends who they bring in. But for that team with that talent in this week of a conference to be to be in eighth place is just absolutely unacceptable.
0: Well, Seth, I tell you, other than the Celtics and the Warriors. I think that's the best job in the NBA right now, and I say that over the Lakers. I say that over the, the Rockets because that team, as far as as far as everything, talent, cap room, uh, versatility, is in tremendous shape. They have all their first round picks. They have. Probably a top five Not probably, he's a top five talent In the NBA in Giannis For three and a half more years As you said before Not only do they have Giannis But they have Eric Bledsoe They have Malcolm Bojan they have, they have Jabari Parker Coming back from an injury soon They have room to mature not a, They're not just where they are And they have Some cap room, not a whole lot With the Chris Middleton signing. But they have some cap room to make a to make a push if they really wanted to. If they wanted to put chips in the in the front in the middle, they could go out and trade a Thon Maker and maybe their first round pick and pick up DeAndre Jordan. They have I wouldn't they do have that. the ability they to do that.
1: And to me I wouldn't do that for a million years. But yeah, I understand. No, neither
0: would I. But the point is they could. They have they yeah. have the parts. To make that trade if they want Look, if that team solidifies Under whatever coach it is Even this year I think they have a shot to to go to the Eastern Conference Finals I do, I think they have Just as much, if not more talent The entire team Than Than the Cavaliers do Um,
1: Again, I think it's very Difficult for a coach to come in mid-season and have that kind of impact right off the bat. Um, and we—it's an Look, it's an assistant coach for now, who's the interim. You know, are they going to go after a Van Gundy? Are they going to go after a college coach? Yeah, you know, who knows? But well, it's hard to go after a college coach in the middle of the season. Let's be honest. So you're looking at—you're looking at—are you looking at a Mark Jackson? Are you looking, as I said, at Van Gundy? I don't know. I don't know what they're going to look for. I think I would think either would be a great choice, but Van Gundy has been out a long, it feels like we're talking about Gruden. Van Gundy has been out a long time. Yep. So I, you know, at a certain point, I don't know. I don't know. You know, maybe you just keep your assistant for the interim for the year and then you become, you know, you, then you have your choice. Look, as you said, it will, it'll be the best coaching job on the open market. So we'll see how it plays out.
0: All right, so we got, we got four more minutes. Uh, I'll go first. You go after me. Uh, next week, we'll, we'll make our Super Bowl predictions. We certainly didn't want to do that this week. We'll talk a little bit more about the trade deadline. As I said, the NBA trade deadline is February 6th, and then the NHL trade deadline is after the All-Star game. And unfortunately, we have the – fortunately or unfortunately, we do have the Olympics coming up, and that is uh, in two weeks, on February 9th. And uh, there will be no NHL players this year. That is the unfortunate part. Uh, Very disappointed, but what can you do? It is on the other side of the world. And check out the USA Olympic, uh, the Olympic uniform. It's kind of awesome, and they have heat warmers in their jackets, which I find incredibly cool and could have used like three weeks ago. Okay, Seth, you're (laughs) up.
1: Well, it's not really a sport. But at some point, you kind of got to give a little bit of props to the WWE Raw 25 years, which they had their 25 years. Because I enjoyed it for many of those years. Now, as an old man, I find it a bit ridiculous. But (laughs) we all watched wrestling growing up. And for a show to last 25 years on a weekly basis, it's something to behold. Now, to watch these guys who we watched when – you know, I was 20, and they were 30, and now I'm 40, and they're like 56 and can barely walk to the ring. Not quite as much fun. Uh, Randy Vellia, who's the owner of Back Sports Page, is still a diehard. I told him, I watched the last 15 minutes of it. It depressed me because it made me feel these are guys who I enjoyed watching and rooting for and against. And to see that they could barely walk, it was quite sad. But, you know, props to the McMahons for being able to get 25 years out of this. It is something. It is something to be proud of. Even if it's really kind of unwatchable, it go doors, right. Up,
0: so it goes right up there with Dynasty and Knox Landing and all those great shows that you and I never watched as kids and never watched today. But sure, and like Dallas, I mean they're all soap operas. So it goes right up there with yep. the great soap operas of the time, uh, Young and the Rest, Young and the Restless as well. So again, next week, next week, Super Bowl predictions. Uh, trade predictions for the uh, trading deadlines, both for the NHL and the NBA, probably. And uh, that's about it. So, uh, again, tune in um, to the gymnasts if you haven't had a chance and see what's all going on in Michigan, because it is inspiring to say the least. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, backsportspage.com, blog talk radio, and a prop out to Randy Zellier, the owner. And we will see you next week at 7 p.m. Our regular time, making it two in a row. All right, everybody, have a great week. Bye. Oh, and for Jake Kamins, goodbye.